0: Welcome to this episode of the Vinyl Detroit Podcast. Uh, I'm super excited for today's episode. Uh, I had the pleasure of speaking to the Orchids. Actually, almost all the Orchids. We were missing one uh, who was having technical problems. But um, we really focus on their new album. It uh, came out on September 2nd, and it's called Dreaming Kind on Skepwax Records, uh, a million Rob's label. And uh, again you know this was a this was a big pleasure for me as as I've been a fan of the orchids for many many years decades really and the opportunity to speak to them uh really meant quite a bit to me uh we did have some technical issues uh I would I would just ask that you kind of power through the first uh 20 minutes or so and then we get chris uh reconnected and uh everything is good after that so um, really try to stick with it because uh, really the middle to the end is really where we, I think, got our momentum going in terms of conversation about the band, about the new album, and really about the longevity. And, and you know, it's something that I, I know you really don't see that much in, in music or, or anything like that where a band can stay together for four decades. I mean, it's really essentially it's the same group still. So that's a real testament to them. And, uh, you know, in 2022 to release a new album um, after all of these years and all of these great releases and all this wonderful music uh, is really a testament to them. So I'm going to step out of the way here. We're going to go ahead and give my discussion with the Orchids a listen, and I hope you enjoy it. so we just heard the new single super super excited uh from the orchids from their upcoming album and the track was called the boys a mess and uh i just i love it it's it's a classic to me it's a classic in their canon of work they've gotten there's just so many great tracks and so many great albums and i know i'm very very excited that, that there's a new album coming out and so uh, with that, I am beyond excited and feel super fortunate today to have what looks to be most of the orchids uh, Joining me today for an interview. Hello guys. Hi there. Hi, Brian. Hi, Brian Okay, so for those of you who, uh, who, who maybe... Evening. How are you doing? Oh, uh, there he is. There's Chris. Hey, Chris uh, So we've got John, we've got Keith, we've got James, and we've got Chris on today and, uh, the first thing I wanted to say to you guys, uh, my, my, Scottish friend told me I had to say one thing to you guys in the beginning. So I'm going to say it. I'm going to say Felcha to you. Which ah, I think, welcome. Which, there we go. Okay, good. I was hoping I said it right. I've been practicing for three days.
1: Yeah. My wife, <laughs> my wife speaks Gaelic. So yeah, she, she would, she would kill me if I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> That's great.
0: <laughs> but no, really, I do, I do appreciate you guys joining me. It's a huge honor. And, um. So I kind of what I thought we would do today is I'd like to kind of talk a little bit about um, maybe some of the early years, kind of how things got started, a lot of the influences. And then we'd like to talk a lot about really the, the formation and, and, and the recording of the new album, because that's that's kind of why we're here. So um, first question I wanted to ask you guys was, uh, you know, for really for those of you listening who maybe aren't as familiar with the Orchids or uh, maybe I don't know, have been living under a rock and then maybe under another rock and then underneath a slab of cement. Um, I'd like for maybe if someone could just maybe share a little bit about the early days, how you guys got together, kind of the evolution of the band.
2: Mm.
1: Well, Chris or John's probably best to answer that when they're the original members along with James.
3: <laughs> Chris is the one that writes. Uh, he's been writing a diary for years
0: in the orchids. Ooh. He's not sharing, though. All right.
4: <laughs> um, how how did we get started?
0: Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. How it all, how it all um, began.
4: The, 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 um, there the was music we really liked <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the time, and uh, and probably we were driven as music that we didn't really like as well and um, talked about forming a band when we were teenagers. Went to the same school. Um John and James hung about the same street. We, we all loved music Came in the band for a few years and <laughs> um I borrowed was a drummer who was in a band with Ronnie Bo. Um and we borrowed their PA, John's uh, bedroom, and uh, I think that's, that's really.
0: That's the early days. <laughs> yep, yep.
4: So... Very early days, yeah. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think we were stuck. Still...
0: We were about 17,
3: 16, 17. Oh my
0: 17. gosh. Wow. Yeah, and I, and I, I want to ask you guys about
4: 1985. that. 1985.
0: I read that, and, and you know, I, I'm going to ask you guys later about just the fact that you're still making music. So we'll, we'll save that part for later, um, which I think is just extraordinary. So, you know, again, back to the history. I mean, you guys, you know, you're, you're all from Glasgow, from, from what I understand. Um, growing up there in the 80s, I guess I'm kind of wondering about you know what kind of influence the the city and the scene and being a, an adolescent at that time in that city has really kind of influenced the band and the sound. If you could maybe share a little bit about that,
1: it's certainly yeah. a big it's, it's a big music city, in Glasgow. You know, it's got a, a lot of famous bands and Orange Juice and Aztec Camera. Lloyd Cole and the Commotions were formed there. Um, the Bluebells I mean the list is endless so yeah. yeah I'm sure I'm sure all of us were influenced by all those bands when we're growing up
0: yeah so so you so I mean it was it was you guys considered yourselves fans of, of really a lot of that I mean to me that's all classic indie um, rock indie pop type of music I mean was anybody into anything else at the time
1: um, John I was into Simple Minds. Simple
0: Minds, I was into early Simple Minds. Um, Chris liked Joy Division. Oh yeah. Yeah, big fans of, of Simple Minds. I mean... Um, James
3: was kind of into some... He liked some reggae stuff. He was into Steel Pulse.
4: Yeah, we, grew, we grew up beating the specials. Um, that, that as well. Um, and we always we always kind of snobby about <laughs> um, I don't know where you're that word, snobby, like like, we used to each other, like I remember it was James that, that was in Shaq, um, so we would always bring her that band, um, there was always that, grown up bands that were similar and went to gigs to influence it. The fact that you could go when you were to go and see Aztec uh, Camera on just the bluebells you lived in the city, you could just go along and see them at that age. It was and two other bands, Primal Scream, um, from Glasgow, were probably an influence in that. We we do talk about a gig that me, John, and James went to Mary Chain. We um, were supported by in eighty five and going to gigs like that was a factor. And and going, yeah, we could do that.
0: So, I guess in those in those early days, and this is a question I really didn't prepare, but uh, I'm just sitting here thinking about just that time and that era, and that location. Really, what would you say? Would have been maybe one of the most, let's just say, uh, influential to you, uh, maybe most meaningful live performances you ever had. And I guess what I'm kind of getting at here is wh- who did you maybe perform with? So when I when I was speaking to um, the folks from the Sugar Gliders, which was a great interview, uh, he had mentioned that Captain Coco was a, was a huge influence on them. And it was something that I really didn't know. And then I see there's a Captain Coco compilation coming out, uh, I think, in the next couple months. Was there anybody that you played with that, you know, you would you'd probably call out and say, hey, that, those are really meaningful shows to us or, you know, meaningful experiences?
2: Ooh.
1: I certainly remember before I was actually a member of the band, I went to watch, because I was friends with Chris and John and James and the guys anyway, and I used to go and watch them and I remember you supported Galaxy 500 once that was pretty amazing I don't know if they would be a a big influence on you
0: Wow that must have been quite a show It was a long long time
3: ago Um, (laughs) it was a students union somewhere I think it was Glasgow Tech I think Um, Yeah I think as well we obviously played quite a few gigs with a week so obviously um, they were kind of Old pros to us, and a bit older, and we could um, we kind of gained a lot of experience and uh, learned from them.
2: Because
3: uh-huh. he had played, yeah, they... like, played with New Order and stuff like that. So
4: yeah, I, I was going to say, I was
0: going to say the Wake Wow, <laughs> and that was in the early days when when they were on factory. Yeah, I, I,
4: yeah, they were on factory in 1983. I'd never heard of the week. Um, but then, but the wake supported them, and um, when I saw them supporting the order, and they became, I sought out, I sought them out, trying to get in touch, with them. and then, then when we fought, like gave Caesar tapes and uh, encouraging and 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 kept and, and the wake. Which, which probably helped as well. One of the um, one of the big influences. Um,
2: yeah,
1: and um, just on the wake. I mean, several of the band have played sort of with the wake over the years. I mean, myself, Chris, Ronnie, and Matthew and James Moody, who used to be in the band. So we've always had a, quite a close relationship with them and. Um, um you know the us to play as, as their kind of backing group as it were a few times so no they're, they're, they have been a big influence i would say in the band eye
0: I... wow so to me being a fan of of you guys and the wake i mean the thought of of the orchids being the backup the back ba- backing band for uh for the wake is, is a pretty exciting proposition <laughs> 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 uh so as anyone listening here on this um you know, they're obviously, they would be a fan of yours or probably a fan of, of your early work. And, and we're going to kind of talk, talk just a little bit about the, the Sarah records days. And, um, you know, I had, I had the opportunity to speak to Claire and like I said, I've spoken to the sugar gliders and I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of, of that whole era and, um, really from the beginning. So one thing I always like to kind of find out from the folks that were associated with that label and with that scene, um, You know, kinda A, it's really a two part question. A, what was it like during that era? And then kind I guess the second part of the question is I want to kinda get the band's take on really a lot of that the negative press and the negative negativity that was really thrown, you know, the label and the band's way during that time. I just wanna kinda get the band's perspective on that. I did get Claire's and and I just kinda wonder what you guys were thinking of that.
3: Eh. Again, we were, obviously, we were young when we were on Sarah Records and it was a, a, a mutual friend had sent the demo to Matt and Claire. So, the fact that we just, we, somebody wanted to put out one of their records, we were more than happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just the early days of Sarah, obviously. Um, so, Matt and Claire are just two wonderful people who set up a really lovely record label and they, they stuck to their ethics from day one. So... Um, And I I think they took the music press. They they just played their own game. Yeah. And um, their values remained the same.
0: Yeah, and there was, you know, that era, I mean, you you guys obviously lived it, and I I lived it from across the pond here, but they, you know, to your point, they they stuck to what they believed in, and they only released, you know, records and, and bands that they loved and believed in. And during that time, and we, we all know that you know Britpop was happening, and grunge here in the U.S. was obviously very big, and and what what they were doing was just not not consistent with that, and so I assume that's what got them panned a lot, was uh, just that they weren't doing what was popular. But Claire and I were joking about that during the interview when. I think it was in two thousand fifteen. I don't know if it was NME or Melody Maker. I can't, I think it was NME listed the you know, the top twenty independent record labels of all time and I think, you know, Sarah was like number one or number two uh by the same frankly the same paper that, that panned them for many
4: years. <laughs> As they panned all of us and we did get we did get quite a good reviews too. Um but, but isn't that amazing? Yeah. For <laughs> Sarah. Um, and so were the Orchids. So we were a great match.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I went back, and I don't know if you were on when we were kind of discussing it pre, pre-discussion pre here, and, you know, I was going back to just some of the old recordings, and I was pulling out all my old 7 inches, and uh, it, <sighs> some of that, there's just so many good songs that, and, and albums and just and I'm sure live shows I've never been fortunate enough to see you guys play but I just it's it's I can't even imagine why um you know anybody would would have that opinion of of your work so it it really bothers me it really it really makes me upset now to think that you know you guys were doing such good things back then and so were you know the field mice and all the other folks that were doing good things but we're just getting getting thrashed and and it just it wasn't fair but i suppose that was maybe the era and, and and we had to live through it but it just it's just disappointing for me that's all so guys so far so good i love talking to you guys i can't wait to talk more about the new album uh but I, we're going to take a, a break here and we're going to listen to another track um since it's my show i get to pick the songs that i that i loved and um i had a super long list that i narrowed down painfully over the last couple days and uh, we're going to go ahead and give uh, one of my favorite tracks a listen and this is peaches okay that was peaches uh one of my probably top five or six uh orchid songs that that i've heard and i and i've been listening to for oh boy 30 years is that right mm-hmm. oh my Impossible. goodness yeah. Yeah. holy moly um still ha- still stands up today my my 18 year old daughter and i were driving this weekend and uh, i was listening to it and she was like what's this and i said this is the orchid so i'm speaking to this weekend she goes this is this is pretty good. <laughs> so no, that, that was really nice. Um, so we talked a little bit about early, earlier on, we talked about uh, some of the influences of the band and just some of that early scene, um, kind of where you guys were growing up and coming up. Um, I, I guess I kind of like to flash maybe even a little bit forward from that mm-hmm. and uh, and kind of talk about maybe just some of those influences that you guys have had over the years, some, some bands or some musicians or acts that, you know, have have provided some inspiration to, to your, to the Orchids.
2: Oh, I
1: mean, you know, the list, the list is endless. We've got yep. um, five different people in the band and plus our producer, Ian. Ian's, Ian brings a lot of kind of electronic kind of um, influences to our sound. So, you know, if you listen to things like Peaches, it's probably sounds a bit different from what the early stuff would be. And, you know, that's still the case now. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Wow, it's just—it's—I it's, mean, I, I think it does go back to the, these bands like Aztec Camera and the Go Betweens, and uh, you know these bands that we grew up with. But um, yeah, there's such a wide range of things. James likes jazz, and Ronnie's got all sorts of influences as well, and kind of soul music and so on. So yeah, I think we've got quite a wide range of influences.
3: Some of the stuff. that I mean, I, I'm a huge Beatles fan, and I know mm-hmm. quite a lot of, is a, and um, I just find myself coming back to the Beatles at some point. Always, even doubt, I go back to the Beatles. Um.
0: So. so. Yeah, I, I would agree with that too, and that that's it's funny because a lot. It's probably not that ironic, but that a lot of the acts that that I like and that I've that I've kind of featured and spoken to on this podcast, uh. They they do hearken back a lot to the Beatles and when I was younger, so when I was probably, you know, in my early years listening to, to you guys and whatever else I was listening to, I, I, I didn't I didn't really understand the Beatles influence. I mean, I liked the music and everything mm-hmm. else, but as I've gotten older, I think I'm able to kind of draw the connections between what they were doing and what they had done with the influence that it had on the music that I liked. And and now as I'm older uh, I really, I really appreciate the Beatles a lot. No. Oh, yeah,
2: for
3: sure. No, this. Um, it's just amazing that music that's been made decades ago, and that includes any other band. I mean, bands for the seventies, early eighties, that the their music is still relevant today to people. So.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. My my uh, in our house here the. The '80s station on uh, on the Sirius satellite radio is is really the most popular station, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I just think about that. Like my I was probably my daughter's age when I was listening to that, and she listens to it and she loves it. And I mean, she's out buying the records still. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I think I think that says something. I mean, we all know there was a lot of bad music in the '80s as well. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but I mean, I mean, obviously, look
0: at Stranger Things with Kate Bush. Yeah yeah it's there you go so that's just <laughs> oh it's so funny too because that's a big thing in our house here is stranger things and mm-hmm. the song kate bush came on the radio here and i'm like i said wait why are they playing kate bush on the on the popular music station here in detroit and she's like this song was on stranger things i'm like wait they played kate bush and now it's on the radio <laughs> so good for her that's good yeah absolutely so, uh, you know, obviously, like we spoke, you guys have have been doing this for a lot of years and and released just so much good material. Um, you know, we're we're probably close to the same age, so I feel like I can ask this question. Uh, I, I'd like to know maybe the kind of what your guys' take is on aging and maturing and how really that has has helped to maybe how it's changed your songwriting and your approach over the years.
1: Uh, but I mean, we certainly take things a bit more slowly now than than they would, have, than you know, the guys would have done when they started out, when they were very busy and they were out doing gigs all the time. Now, well, we don't do very many gigs even before the pandemic. We were probably only doing three or four gigs a year. Just you know, we we, we like to pick and choose the ones that appeal to us, and mm-hmm. we, we don't really feel the need to be out in in a van kind of. Um, all the time, so we can we can take a bit more time, and you know we've, we've all got jobs and families and responsibilities, so it's not it's not really a full time concern for us. But we can do it as and when we, we like to, and we can spend a bit more time. So yeah, we kind of like to take things a bit more at our own pace these days, which is obviously why this is our first album in in uh, eight years.
0: Oh yeah, and I don't know, Chris, I don't know if you heard because I think you got disconnected, but I was just asking a little bit about. Uh, maybe how how getting older and maybe more mature in, in your songwriting and performing. Maybe just kind of wondering how that's uh, how how those aging and maturing has affected yeah. the approach. Can
5: you can you hear me now? Okay. Yeah. Oh, so much, better. Yeah.
0: so much better. Oh,
5: good. Um, aging. I haven't aged a bit, um, <laughs> so I don't know what you're talking about. I'm I'm just the same as I was when I first formed the band aged eighteen.
0: <laughs> yeah we wish right <laughs> <laughs>
5: no um, no it's, it's like I heard what Keith said about we do take our time and um, we always kind of took our time I guess but um, it, it's just got longer and longer I suppose um, as time's gone on it's the best hobby in the world um, to create something that's like what John said you know the fact that your stuff will still be getting played on the radio ye- years later Um you know, you've just played Peaches, and that's <laughs> from how many years ago? That, guess, idea. That, that, you know, that that, that that just blows my mind that that's still getting played on the radio. <laughs> um, and you would never have thought it back then. So um, getting older has never bothered us. It, I think there's so many bands do it now. There's lots of bands reforming. Bands like Teenage Fan Club, that we were formed before then, mm-hmm. they're still going. Um you know there's plenty of bands at our age so it's like i say yeah we must be be younger i think in the 70s if you were 50 um then that was it you we were past it but it's not like that anymore thankfully <laughs> don't think so anyway
2: yeah right
0: um <laughs> so so you know i i've 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 played in in a band and um Uh, It's called shoestrings and uh, they came out we released our album or or actually I just they're my best friends and I played on their album and they just but our that album came out in 1997 and you know it sounds young and and I know where we were and then flash forward to 2021 they released a new album and having been I guess kind of in the band from a distance I can hear the maturity in the recording in the in the arrangement in the lyrics and I just you know I, I I know as you get as you get older and as you change and as life experiences happen it does have an impact on you and um, but what's interesting is you know I've had a little bit of a sneak peek at the album and it's it it doesn't even sound like there's been an eight year gap it's it's really pretty amazing uh, but again we'll save that for later I want to talk about the album later in detail um, so in, in doing the research for this uh, you know I, I kept coming up with, the adjective, uh, sophisticated and, and, and other adjectives around that type of word describing the music. And I, I don't disagree at all with the term. In fact, I think it's actually a good term, but I wanted to ask you guys. And, and, and I like to ask the artist when, when I speak to them about the things that are said about them. So when you hear a word sophisticated used to describe your music, I mean, what do
1: you feel? Um, I'm and not you? sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm,
2: I'm, I'm,
1: I don't think I would ever describe our stuff as sophisticated. But if other people see it that way, I suppose it's probably more sophisticated than when the band started out. But I don't think we are. I don't think we would describe ourselves as a sophisticated band. No. I don't th- know. I think some of the arrangements could be described as that, Keith. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of
5: ours and that's what people. I guess people realise when you make albums, um, it has taken eight years, um, not eight years constantly, but there's an awful lot of, you know, for a three minute song, there's an awful lot goes into that. So, sophisticated is okay. That's that's a nice word, but we don't feel (laughs) sophisticated ourselves. and separate the people and the music, I suppose.
3: And I guess we don't start out to be sophisticated. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, <laughs> it's by we just we just, we we just, just do, what we do yeah, to enjoy
5: yeah we make what we make and there's no pressure um to create a certain sound or a certain song within a time scale. We just make what we make and it becomes what we become and if as Keith said, if that's sophisticated then then so be it we're we're happy with any positive comments like that.
0: <laughs> yeah I've been called worse things today already <laughs> um but yeah you know I and and I obviously I've been a big fan for a long time and um once I I we were able to arrange this I've, I've really spent some time just critically listening to the albums and the singles and um I try to like get a theme with with a band or an artist and just so I can kind of I kind of talk about it throughout and I I struggled with yours and so I asked one of my good friends I'm like why am I struggling with the orchid sound and he wrote me back he's like two reasons he goes one is it's just it's well really it's just one reason is he's like there's so much quality there and and it's I mean album on top of album on top of single and it was just everything was so good and it, 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 it kind of never, a term that we use here in the U.S., it never got out of its lane. So even though, like you had mentioned, Ian's influence with the electronic and that, there were there were little deviations along the way. But when you heard the orchids and you heard Chris's voice and you heard the guitar and whatever else you heard, you, you kind of knew what it was, even if it was a little different than what you heard last time versus, you know, some artists who every album is a project or you know, like on this album, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna do something totally different and, and throw my fans. I never felt like you guys did that, and I, and I I appreciate it as a fan, frankly, um, which kind of led me back to the word sophisticated. And I think it's maybe because there's just not a really good word to describe the music and the sound. So yeah, hey, again, you could be called worse things.
1: No, definitely, and <clears> we <throat> haven't. We, no, we, we certainly haven't gone out of our way to say, right, this is going to be, this album is going to be a change in direction. It's a very natural thing uh, mm-hmm. we kind of just follow our noses. and Yeah, as Chris yeah. says, the amount of work that goes into it does give it a bit of sophistication, I yeah. guess, without even realising. Yeah, realizing. yeah. 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 And,
5: and, and listen, I can't, I can't take credit for, for the lovely vocals on there. That's James. So <laughs> um, yeah. that's probably one of the things that, 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 that kind of makes it <laughs> um, one of the things, just one of the things, um, that makes it sound like the orchids, um, uh, no matter what the, the the music is like, you know. Um, so I know people say that a lot. That yeah, it's different, but it's still the orchids. Yeah. Um, uh, right none of us can even explain it. <laughs> it's just, uh, it just kind of happens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's no, there's no magic formula.
0: Well, Chris, the nice thing was I gave you lyrical credit on a song you didn't sing on.
1: <laughs> Maybe Take, it, what... class. Take it, Chris. Take it. Take it. Yeah,
0: I, I, I was a drummer too, so I I know how that I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so far, you know, this has been a great conversation. I've got the orchids here. I've got John. I've got Keith. I've got James. I've got Chris. Uh, Chris worked through his technical challenges, and he is uh, you can fully hear his voice now. Uh, So with that, we're going to go ahead and hear another track from the orchids again. I, you know, I, I, I went back over the catalog and uh, I pulled out just a lot of the, a lot of the, my favorite songs. And so we're going to go ahead and give uh, one of my favorite tracks here. a Listen, and this is something for the longing. just heard something for the longing uh which is a uh one of my favorite tracks from the orchids uh just uh i mean i would call it a classic and i would fight anybody who says otherwise um uh, but we're gonna switch gears now and uh, you know it was announced uh i want to say over the weekend i think it's this is um this is on a tuesday but i kept seeing it pop up on the social media that there was a new album coming out and uh, we did hear the first single at the top of the show and so i wanted to spend some time talking about the album and uh, the album is called Dreaming Kind, which uh, is a very interesting title, and it was one of the first questions I wrote down when I was putting this together that I wanted to know um, kind of what the meaning is behind that title, and, and if you guys could maybe share a little about that.
1: Um, well, I, I think a lot of there's been quite a lot of references to dreaming and sleeping and <laughs> waking up and yawning and things like that over the years, and being lazy, and that whole kind of. Um, theme over the years for so Dreaming Kind is a line from one of the songs and we were racking our brains for an album title and we looked at lyrics to the songs and we thought that basically sums it up I suppose the orchids are the Dreaming Kind if you look back at some of the, the lyrics and titles throughout our whole career so it seemed quite appropriate.
0: Yeah, sure sure. Yeah and yeah. I would agree with that. I noticed I noticed that going back through and listening again the you know the entire catalog and listening critically that you're exactly right there was this like lazy laziness and obviously there was you know an album titled with the word lazy in it so um, it does make sense and um, I just thought it was a really neat title it kind of got me thinking a lot of them you know a lot of titles you see them and you kind of you kind of get it Um, but I I didn't catch it right away but that does make a lot of sense so we talked a little bit earlier on and, and this is a question that uh, was provided to me by one of my friends because we were kind of collaborating on, on what to ask and um, We had talked about Ian earlier Ian Carmichael who you guys have worked with I, I think since the beginning or pretty close uh, yeah. As production and I'm, I'm sure he's doing some engineering and I know he does play quite a bit on the, on the recordings um, Someone had mentioned that he brings you know a little bit of the electronic twist which I never knew um, what other things would you kind of say that, that Ian brings to the band and, and the recordings?
5: Is Ian listening? I hope not.
2: <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no,
5: okay. Keith, John, on you go. I'm talking too much. Um,
3: <laughs> no, I think Ian's always been, obviously, um, been involved with the band for over 30 years. And that's just a relationship It's kind of evolved. Um, obviously, in the past, there were sometimes we did we did an album without Ian, but we always sent him mixes of songs, and he would always kind of send us back, so oh, I've kind of remixed us. Um, so I think a lot of times we recently we've been like, been working with Ian. This this was like a right partnership from day one. We kind of uh, agreed that Ian would be in in the process, and we would be like, swapping ideas and sharing ideas obviously uh, during yeah, the pandemic and online and stuff like that so obviously we been, were putting tracks together and then we would send them off to ian and then ian would add his thoughts or he might kind of make some alterations and so we've had a lot of kind of back and forth discussions in the last four years about putting this out sort together of
1: yeah and it's not always easy ian ians can be objective about things which sometimes we can't as a band and he wasn't afraid to say look i don't this song isn't working. There was one song that he just said, I don't like this, and he he took a, a, a bit of the song that he liked and he kind of built a completely different track around it and it was, it took it in a completely different direction. And, you know, without Ian's input, they probably would never have thought of doing that. So he does give us a, a fresh pair of ears at times.
5: Definitely. He um, it, it, it brings hard work and a sense of style as well, I'll say. Uh, you know, since Ian will be listening, <laughs>
2: he's, <laughs> um, he's, matching,
5: he's the one Matching yeah. socks and t-shirts um, Yes uh, Every day um, And, and the, it's the hours that Ian puts in He just, uh, you know We're all doing it as a hobby And we've done it for years as a hobby And we, we put in time But he puts all this time in in, in in Barcelona So he puts in He's always done that We used to leave him and go to the pub in their early albums and then come back and say "All right, that's fine Ian thanks for that Um, where he would just be working on it for hours while we went to the pub Um, and so there's still bits of that he's working away in the background Um, we went away for a week with him last June um, and he was in the studio 12-13 hours a day um, while you know we would be out having a fire pit and things you know so um, yeah Mm -hmm. so hard work as well is what he brings to it
1: No, definitely. and and when we're talking about the 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 whole lazy and dreaming and you know being quite slow at doing things ian's ian is the one that kind of yeah i think i think it gets yeah it gets
5: frustrated with us at times um, you know
3: yeah um yeah (laughs) so attitude
0: so so from from somebody who you know is is obviously just a fan of the band and not in the band would would dreaming kind have have come out without ian's help or would it have just been maybe a very different album
1: it would have been very different yeah i think um if if we were i mean you know we do make demos on our own before we bring them to ian but they they kind of sound a bit more stripped down and ian's ian's influence is all over the album but um yeah, we have. I mean, we, Ronnie, Ronnie, our bass player, he's a he's a good. He's he's got a lot of production skills, and we, you know, we some we do put demos together, and we have released a few things that Ronnie's, that Ronnie has produced. But yeah, Ian, Ian gives it a bit of a sheen, which we wouldn't be able to do ourselves, I think, and with, just because of the the hard work he puts into it.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally, I totally get that. I mean. You know i think of as you were talking about that i just kind of keep thinking about how bobby from you know lightning the twilight hour and the field mice and how you know his relationship with ian cat and mm-hmm. i mean it's very yeah. similar it sounds like is that ian brings kind of i guess the ideas that bobby's got in his head and maybe in his demos to life mm-hmm. yeah that's true yeah, uh, yeah. So, so you know the first single that we heard earlier on which i i actually actually accidentally uh mispronounced it's this boy is a mess, not the boy is a mess. So I apologize for that. Uh, from Dreaming Kind, I, I think it's a classic orchids track. Um, what kind of went into the decision to to release that as the first single? Well,
2: you know,
3: it's like say, Scape Wax. That was their kind of first choice. Okay. Um, Rob and Amelia uh, sort of led with that in the front, saying that they really liked the song and thought it'd make a, a really good, excellent calling card for the album. Yeah, yeah, no. I Catching catch
5: the media, I think, uh, is is as well. You know, um, that's that's what they saw in it, um, uh, hearing it live and on the recorded version. I think.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I see it as as a as a single or, or like like a calling card for the album. Completely, from what I've heard. Um, again, I've I've kind of I've kind of had a little sneak peek at the album, and um, there are. There, are, there's probably about three or four other tracks that I think could have also been in that place, which is really a testament to you guys. I mean, a lot of times, as you know, and an album may have one song that that really leads, and then the others complement, and then some, frankly, just are not to that caliber. And you know, I didn't, I didn't feel that way at all. In fact, like I said, I felt like there were quite a few that could have led. So that's definitely Don't a explain. testament. Yeah, Don't for explain. sure, for sure. And I think
3: another thing as well is because obviously we're a band and there's five of we could sit and debate for hours about our personal choices and what song should be a
0: single. We and did, we did. <laughs> so and so we it did. was really nice to have.
3: It was really nice to have two other people just said, "No, we think this would be really good as a single."
0: Yeah, that's what I see on the online at least too. I mean, the people that have that have heard it already, I mean, they just they just love it. And you know, again, I just wait till they hear the album is what I what I would love to say to them. Um, Mm -hmm. but I can't just yet so (laughs) So, uh, you know, I'm going to change up my order of songs We're gonna we're gonna listen to a different track here because I have I have a list of a couple other ones off to the side and I guess kind of in um in in staying in the lazy vein um, We're gonna we're gonna play a song here. That uh, is one of again my favorites uh, by you guys and it does have the word lazy in the title And we're going to go ahead and hear hear Striving for the Lazy Perfection, real quick here. And I, I just love this track so much. Let's go ahead and give it a listen. So, so this is um this is really the first proper album for you guys, and I want to say it's been about eight years if I got that right. Um, mm. what went into the decision to 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 kind of get together and say, hey, let's let's start writing, let's start recording. What kind of went into that? Well, there was
5: there was quite a John, long. Do you, gap. do you want to explain a bit about that about the, yes you know... yes mm. me yeah oh no just yeah. just John because when you went well at twenty fifteen well, um, you know. Yeah. Basically
3: uh, 2016, Brian, I I took really ill and I had uh, I had to have um, cardiac surgery. Oh jeez. So that kind of put me out of the game for a year. Um so obviously 2016 um we did it as a band we never really, we never done anything. Um but in saying mm-hmm. that I think there was obviously there was still some tunes wrote that we started work on in 2017. Um
2: and I yeah, think a it's pretty- few of
3: them are on the album. So uh, yeah. we played, we played, we, we kind of after I was out, we played a gig. That would have been like June two thousand seventeen, the audio. So that was kind of when we came back, um, and we have been. We were we were starting to write songs for the album, and obviously the pandemic came along, and that kind of meant we couldn't rehearse. So that's obviously delayed things as well.
1: Yeah, it was a combination of things, and we, we, we did a compilation CD, which was a, a bit of work as well. That, mm-hmm. that came out in twenty seventeen. We kind of we'd, we recorded a new thing for that, and we sort of dusted off some unreleased things. James recorded an album with Mark Tranmere under the, 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 the under the name of the Wachinski Settings. So there was other stuff going on, but um, yeah, as John says, it was probably. Three or four years after the, last, the previous album before we really properly started this one and we had we had a good bit of it done when the pandemic happened and then that, that delay things for another year or so
0: so you know i i do have a question and actually great segue uh, about the pandemic and so i guess what i was what i was kind of wondering was during that time i mean were you guys working on demos remotely you know or was it or did everything just stop
1: we couldn't really do much at all we had we had demos in the can um but we couldn't do much with them other than we used to have zoom calls and sort of discuss things we'd like to do with them and that's kind of when we made the plans to go into the studio so we had quite a lot of discussions but we couldn't do much recording the one thing we did manage to do is during the lockdown is we recorded a christmas song and cool. we all did we did all that remotely just recorded our parts in their own houses and um, ian managed to pull it all together and, and that was released last christmas so that was quite a nice little project for us while we were waiting to finish off the album
0: and i think someone mentioned earlier on that uh that it was recorded was it recorded mainly last year
1: the album, um, we started in 2018, so um, it's been, it has been was recorded over a couple of years. Then we stopped for about a year and then we finished it off last summer. We did a week in a kind of residential studio in the Highlands, which was really nice. Beautiful setting and quite inspiring. So that's where we finished it off. But yeah, it, I mean, the recording was done over quite a long period of time. Wow, so we kind
3: of spent the last six months, kind of the last six months of last year, mixing the album
2: mm-hmm.
3: and just discussing. And obviously, Ian would send us mixes. We would put back ideas, discuss back and forth on Zoom calls and stuff like that. So, um, uh, and
1: it was, there was a little bit of finishing off to put strings on one of the songs and some backing vocals. So again, the pandemic kind of curtailed that a little bit. Ian couldn't come to the UK to do that. So. Ian had to write a, he had to write a score for our, our string section, and then it was recorded in Manchester with Ian on our kind of video call, kind of supervising it. But uh, you know, we got there in the end.
5: Um, yeah, it was a bit weird all that, but I'm sure that Ronnie as well and his Ronnie's kind of got a home studio, and he he would have spent many hours during the pandemic just kind of um, fixing things and doing things with the songs as well. Um, like he said, I remember Ronnie. That he lives a few miles from me, and um, he, he dropped a mic stand and a microphone off for me to do the percussion for the Christmas song, wow. which I then emailed to him. So it's <laughs> quite interesting. Um, to, to, very strange.
2: You know, didn't actually
5: see him. We had to drop it outside my house. You know, because you weren't allowed to to meet up and things. So yeah.
0: So so really, I mean, so you guys, I, I I guess I didn't really realize this, but this album really is a very long time in the coming. I mean, to have started recording and tracking four or five years ago, I mean that no wonder you, you know it's it's been a long time. Wow. Uh, so,
5: it, it, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't feel like that to 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 me certainly. You know, just John was talking about that gig in twenty seventeen. I can't believe that's five years ago. I know. Five years ago on Friday, that is. And it doesn't. It just doesn't feel like that to me.
0: Well, I feel like, you know, I feel like the last, obviously the last two and a half years have, have really, I don't know, personally speaking, have changed my concept of time. And just because things have just gone so crazy. um, So I guess kind of staying in that vein, obviously the pandemic did slow you guys down almost to a crawl because you really couldn't rehearse and you couldn't do the things you like to do. I guess, kind of, on the other side of that coin, did the actual pandemic itself and the effects of of lockdowns and and quarantines and twenty four hour news, did that have any influence on on the kind of the end result of this record or on, on the music you guys were really kind of putting together?
2: Um, it has to, have, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I guess, I guess so. Although, obviously, the songs were all written before the pandemic, but it it did. I guess it did influence the way we decided to finish it off. And who knows, we might not have even decided to do that week in the residential studio because that's not something we've done for a long time. But I guess it was, as a result of the pandemic, we really wanted to to, to aim for doing that, you know.
5: Uh, I think there was an element of, of it making you realise how much you missed it. Yes. That that, that that meant that once we came out of it and we could go to a residential studio, um, that, you know, and operate safely and stuff like that. And we were all testing all the time. It was a bit strange. So it must have an impact on you. It definitely does. But the impact it had on me was made just make me realise how much I missed doing it, meeting up with the band, rehearsing, um, uh, recording, um, even just going to gigs, you know, which obviously has an influence on you as well, because when you go to gigs, it kind of motivates you. As well, when you go to see other bands and, 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 and see other acts, and it motivates you to do these things. So, the realization was that we really missed it during the pandemic. So, we yeah. want to make the most of it now that we're, we can do it again.
3: I It so makes you kind of I think uh, that week we got away to go and record in the studio just kind of showed how precious the whole process of being in a band and make music. With, five other people that
2: is.
1: Yeah. And James yeah, and, and James got to spend more time on the lyrics because, you know, the, the lyrics are the kind of finishing touch at the end. So he did definitely get to spend a bit more time with the lyrics than normal, which was influenced by the pandemic.
0: That's interesting. And, and kind of what Chris said, I mean, that's the way I've looked at at that time in terms of the impact that it had on music and, and even really just generally like art, music, movies, things like that is just that fact that, you know, up until that point, we just, we took those things for granted and having them all taken away. And frankly, in those really early couple months of it, not really thinking it was ever going to come back. So like I I would think back to some of the live shows that I've been to and, and thinking of, you know, whether it's a hundred or, or 10,000 people packed into the, into one place, I really couldn't wrap my head around how that would ever happen again. So once I was able to go to shows again and, and start to kind of feel the music again, it, it it just meant more. And I, and I think, and I, now that you've said that, I think it comes out on this album. I really do. And I think it comes out on the first single. Um, so that, that's, that's really neat. I have to say, um, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of artwork in, uh, in music and, you know, I've spoken to graphic designers on this, on this podcast. And, uh, I just, I really believe in, in the, the relationship between the the visual aesthetic and what you hear on the record and um, I saw the the cover for this and I think from what I've heard so far I think it it really captures kinda the sound found on the record Uh, so I'd like to kinda know from you guys what the concept was behind behind the the sleeve at least I've only seen the front cover so far online but what was kinda the influence behind that
1: or or really the concept Who's, who's wanting to go? Well, it's a different one. I mean, it, it wasn't really a member of the band that came up with it. It was Ronnie's, Ronnie's brother, Stuart, who he took the photograph and he kind of designed the cover and mm-hmm. we met up with him and he had a few ideas and we really liked that. Um, I guess it sort of, because it's to do with dreams, it suggests a kind of nighttime sort of thing. So it's a night scene. It's, the, it's a photograph that was shot in the streets of Glasgow at nighttime. Um, so I guess it refers to our hometown and it's kind of, it's a night shot. So it kind of refers to that whole nighttime dreaming state, but I I, I couldn't really say any more than that. Um,
0: so, so yeah, no. And I, I think that that really is consistent with really what you, what you guys have been saying about the music. I mean, were, were there, was that what, what, and I know that was Keith who was speaking for those of you listening, but was that really what, what kind of brought you in? the band in terms of accepting that, that visual aesthetic was that, you know, we've kind of got this lazy sleepy thing going. And, and this photo that was brought to us by Stuart shows, you know, nighttime in the city, a little bit of calm. I mean, is that, um, I mean, was, was there, I guess I should put it this way. I'm kind of rambling now, but were there any other concepts that just didn't work out you know that you were looking at pictures from stewart or for somebody else saying yeah it doesn't really capture the the, the sound that yeah. we're going for
5: yeah that's true it, it, it's like keith said we met in the we met in the pop and stewart ran us through some ideas and some of them were like um there's actually an inner sleeve that's a wee bit different from the picture yeah. and and some of them were more abstract art um that, that we also liked as well and we had a real debate about where they go for the abstract colourful or the gritty picture and I think we just settled on the the, the picture we really like to light we really like the setting um, of the picture um, yeah. so th- there is some of the abstract stuff in the inner sleeve um, and, and we were going to go for that, it was almost like in some of the early Aztec camera and um, Friends Again type sleeves that you used to get in the 80s um, so I, th- I can't remember, John, Keith, can you remember why we never went with the abstract art? Was it just a democracy thing again? Well, it
1: was probably something, because we, we did want a picture of ourselves in our, our favourite pub, and I suppose mm. that idea of having us pictured in our hometown maybe linked to the front cover as well, I don't know, because there's a photo of us inside the CD, which is um, us in um, the old toll bar in Glasgow, um, yeah, so I, I think in a, a bit of that too. Is,
5: is that a pandemic influence? Because it's the first time ever, it's our seventh or ninth album if you count compilations, and we've never had pictures of us. And this is the I, first time ever. I think I was, maybe that's because of the pandemic.
3: I was about to say that, I think um, one of the influences on this album. Is um, Brian, before rehearsals We went to create these songs Or re- rehearse these songs We meet up in a, a, a bar That's not far from the studio And um, it's, it's became a a, kind of, a regular thing For the Orchids We call it Orchids HQ It's uh, the old, Toll bar um, If you ever come to Glasgow We'd be happy to take you And it's just got a really calming Lovely atmosphere Especially in a winter's evening If it's cold outside It's just nice to sit in the old, Toll bar have a drink before we go to like, the studio to spend three hours doing songs um, and i think it's that's kind of been a, a nice influence on the album is it old toolbar and i'm kind of happy that we've got a picture yeah, in then, the pub
0: there's a picture isn't there yeah because now that you say that the the single isn't that a picture in the pub yep that's it yeah a, yeah.
2: yeah okay
0: yeah, yeah. nice
5: yeah well, so it's, it's a very 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 old-fashioned pub which is the kind of pubs that we
0: like yeah you know? yeah for sure for sure so you're not you're not much of a uh a uh modern uh bar types huh <laughs> no, we never we never were um
5: we never, never were. were we always went to old men's pubs when we even <laughs> <to 18. laughs> yeah, I
3: don't
0: we go but it's
2: cheap
3: <laughs>
0: i don't blame you I, I'm i'm all about that too so we're going to go ahead and hear a, another track. And I, I'm going to say that um, this is hard for me because um, this is this song has meant a lot to me uh, over the years. And I get a little emotional when I hear the song and I think about it. And it's definitely, uh, of all your work up to this point, it is my favorite track. I pro- And I'm not kidding, I probably listen to it once a day, um, whether I pull out the record or the CD and uh, it just it means a lot to me and 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 it's it's one of the simpler songs i think you guys have written and recorded but i think that's maybe where the magic is and um you know we're going to go ahead and 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 share one and frankly one of my favorite songs ever by anybody and this is called long drawn sunday night So listening to the early work versus the later work and, and really kind of in between, I definitely can pick up the evolution of the sound. Um, I pick up, you know, just a more assured sound as as the recordings go on and, and kind of not just in, in where you're going, but kind of how you get there, if you kind of follow what I'm saying. Um, I guess have, you know, I kind of talked earlier about the effects of aging and getting older and maturing on the songwriting process. Um, would, I'm not sure how to put this, I guess, you know, how would, how would you maybe, if we could just kind of go around maybe each person that's on here and kind of talk about, um, how you personally have, have grown as a musician and and really, I guess kind of how that feeds into the band. Who wants to go first? Uh, No,
2: (laughs) (laughs) No we haven't heard much.
0: We haven't heard much from James today. I don't know. Is he here? No, uh, he's not. He's no, not able to connect. Uh, oh, he's li- yeah. I think he's
1: listening, but he's not able. His microphone's not working. Oh. Yeah,
5: because he he sent a message saying the words were definitely different due to the pandemic because he spent more time on them. So okay, he, he he can't hear us, but we just can't
0: hear him. Okay, so I think Keith spoke up first, so I think he gets to go first.
1: I'm not sure I really have developed that much of a of, of musician. Uh, uh, I mean, we have, as you say, we kind of, we do have more of a sophisticated sound these days, but it's, um, I think part of the appeal of the Orchids is we haven't become overly sophisticated and proficient and still have, you know, we're still, we're still the same band, you know, um, although we have developed, probably not consciously, but I guess we must have developed a bit over the years and We've listened to more things and we have more influences. So um yeah, I think we're and certainly playing live, I, I kinda of feel we're 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 better playing live and more proficient on stage than, than possibly we were when I started in the band.
0: Yeah. What about you, Jan?
1: Um
0: I
2: think
3: it's it's been a long kinda of, um, journey from these early days and I think now that um, you're just happy to be involved playing music when you get the opportunity and it's like some, sometimes you we've got all the other things in life like work and families and stuff like that. so it's just a real pleasure to, to be able to get the guitar out and go and rehearse and play music with five guys and you've done it for like for 20-30 years and I just think we're really really fortunate to be Still doing it. Um, I don't really think much about how I've matured as a, a musician. I just feel really privileged to be still getting people wanting us to play gigs and listen to
0: records. Like yourself, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Chris, what about you?
5: Yeah, I mean, you think back to that book, the journey. John's talking about the first two years of our existence. We learned to play. We none of us are are kind of. Um, I guess, trained musicians. We've taught ourselves and and in those first couple of years we did just learn in a bedroom for a couple of years and then eventually somebody heard what we were doing and, and kind of liked it enough to put a single out. Um, so definitely there's been a lot of um maturing over the years. If you listen to the early singles, yep. you, you can obviously hear that, that there's, we're better musicians, obviously, for having done it for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we've I guess we've we'll got better known each other and known each, you know, feeding off each other as well. I think over the years, um, definitely better live now because um, we we don't really tend to get drunk anymore. Whereas before, <laughs> we would be pretty drunk playing and it, it would affect it, you know. So there's there's no doubt a better live as well. Um, in terms of what John was saying, I'm I'm an in the moment kind of person as well, and and. And that's what I, I just concentrate on what we're doing just now. So I don't I don't, I don't really think about well, have we matured as, uh, as a musician individually? Um, you're always just trying that different thing. You're always just striving for well, what can we try now? What what can we what can we do? What can we try out? What will what will evolve between the five of us? So it, it's more about that. And there's there's definitely over time I suppose been an, ev- an evolution. Um, with, within the band as well, you know, yeah. been together a long time, so that's obviously going to happen.
0: Yeah, and you know, I wanted I wanted to ask you guys about that. So you know, I know I know that I don't like not everybody was was in the band from the beginning here today, um, but I guess you know everyone's been together long enough, and it, so I thought this would be a really kind of an interesting question. That I'm, I'm sure people would want to know. I know I would. But did you think ever? Uh, in the really early years and then even in the mid-years that um, you guys would still be making music. And I did the math, and I was like, oh, has it been four decades? And I, so I did the math. I'm like, it's been four decades. Do you guys ever, Did you ever think, you know, ni- mid-'80s, early-'90s, that we'd be talking in 2022 about a new album? No, No.
2: No, no chance. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and why not?
5: Cause, Cause, when you're 20 and making music, you think you think it's the old guys shouldn't be making music. <laughs> <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> um, and for uh, our long, our longevity, there was a big gap um, when we kind of, uh, you know, took a rest in the mid 90s mm-hmm.
2: um,
5: and came back. I don't know, 2004. Um, and so we were always just friends, but. But Keith and Ronnie, who might not have been in the original lineup, but they were both at our first gig in 1985. Mm-hmm. So they you know, Keith and Ronnie have been part of it for as long as that as well. So the the longevity is probably down to some of that as well. You know, um, a lot of bands are not formed in that way. Um right. just from 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 school friends and Ronnie did the sound at our first ever gig. Um, and they do our a first ever demo, our four-track demo as well, um, in nineteen eighty-five, eighty-six. So we've known him since then as well. Um, and as I said, we've known Keith. Keith was at our first ever gig as well.
1: Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think we wouldn't have lasted as long as if we weren't friends. And some some bands who don't form in that way, they, they don't last as long because that friendship isn't there. I guess.
0: Yeah, uh, and that, and that's. I totally agree. So you know speaking for personal experience as well. I mean, my, the, the folks that I made music with, I mean, we were friends first and that, that's why we're still friends today and we're hopefully going to see each other soon. Um, and we, and we, but we never, what's interesting is even though we don't make music together anymore, music is still, uh, I guess the glue that holds us all together. And -hmm. it's the one thing that, you know, I can shoot, like, as soon as I, you know, I was able to, to work on this interview, the first person I messaged was that friend saying you're not ever going to believe who I'm going to be speaking to. And all the music aside, I mean, you're right. I think it's about the friendship. And if the, you have the friendship first, I think it lasts. So yeah,
5: Brian, Brian, you need to do what we see, see when we kind of, um, took the rest in the mid nineties um, and then got back together all the intervening years. Every time we went out, we said, we need to get back in rehearsal, we need to get back in rehearsal. And it took us many years to do it. So I think the next time you beat up with your friends, you need to get them back into the rehearsal room and make some music. That's what I'd recommend.
0: You know, it's funny you say that, Chris, because a theme that seems to be emerging here, and and you guys hit it again without me saying it, is that um, two part. One is that, you know the pandemic and, and time a lot of times um goes to i guess kind of i guess make you uh, value the time that you spend with your friends making music and that really has become the theme of this show is that the best part of this experience is making music with your friends and that's how it started and that's why we're here today and hopefully yeah. in you know five years from now that's why we're back again because that's really what it's all about. It's not about—I mean, we all know—in you know, on this Zoom, it ain't, it ain't about the money. So, <laughs> you know, it's—and it's <laughs> yeah, and, for me again. personally, it's not about the fame. Um, but it's about making music with your friends. It's the reason you picked up the guitar, you started banging on the drums, or whatever you did. You recorded. Um, it was—it was to be together and to create something. And—and and I think that's what matters. So. My last question for you guys before I kind of ask that, I just wanted to to thank you guys for joining me today. Uh, we had some technical issues with Chris in the early on, but he's here now. And yeah, sorry about that. And thanks, no.
5: thanks very much for having us on, Brian. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's been, been very good to talk to you.
0: It's it, this has been literally a dream come true for me. So um, I, I've loved every minute of this. And um, I guess my last question for you before we close off on one of my another one of my favorite tracks by you guys is. Do you have any advice to let's say somebody who's a budding musician today and maybe they're in the early years or they haven't gotten the break yet or whatever, whatever it is, they're early. What would be the the advice to them as far as how they could do the right things today to be able to achieve maybe the longevity that you guys have seen and in particular really creating music with your friends? I mean, is there any advice that you'd give to them? Be yourself,
1: mm, be yourself, and it's all about at the end of the day, it's all about the, the, the songs. I mean, it's not you know, if you haven't got good songs, um, you know, that's that's the main thing, um, and yeah.
5: just enjoy yeah. it, dude. Yeah, yeah, just uh, I it's, it's a bit like that old football coach thing, and think, just go out and enjoy yourself. And, um, it's funny, it's funny, I was, I was at a, a gig, um, during the week there and it's electric honey records and it was all students who were playing from a college course um and i was speaking to some of them and explaining that yeah i'd been in a band for this many years and they were all like oh my goodness um (laughs) uh, but i think i was kind of saying to them look just just do your own thing and you know make it last as long as you can um because if it wasn't fun you wouldn't do it either you know so it has to be fun um I remember originally we were asked about, you know, developing our image to um, to promote ourselves, and we weren't interested. It wasn't us, um, we just wanted to make music and we didn't go down that path. So I think that, that that's another element that you think sometimes if, if we'd been signed to a, a major record label and they'd made us do things, we wouldn't have enjoyed it and we wouldn't be here now. So it's just do it for yourself for the right reasons, I think is the advice. Know, um to to create something rather than it being about the money or the fame or you know if that comes and you're still enjoying it fair enough but
0: so yeah well well said chris i mean I, I i can't agree more and it's it's really i guess it kind of comes down to doing it for the right reasons and that that really says it all and then to enjoy it while you're doing it i i think that was great advice too um so guys again thank you so much for joining me today uh i'm super excited to uh to to speak to you and particularly the fact that there is a new orchids album coming out uh later this year uh the the title is called dreaming kind and uh the release date i believe as of right now is september 2nd 2022 That's um, correct hopefully we don't run into any record pressing problems that seems to be the uh theme of the day around here Shh. um but guys i appreciate it so much best of luck on the album uh if you, you ever make it to the us please look me up and if ever i'm in that side of the pond i will be calling you looking for you to take me to that pub
3: well brian we're always open to offers <laughs> yep. we've, I love we've it. only played we've only played the states once new york in 2007 so we would love to come back
0: let, let me see what i can Cal- come up with california <laughs> dreaming oh, you, you don't want to go to california come to the midwest that's where the real people are i just offended all of my my uh california fans (laughs) Um, all in one swipe um so we're going to close out the show today again new album coming out september 2nd 2022 uh it's the orchids it's called dreaming kind and um from what we've heard so far which we heard at the top of the show the first single uh it is it is very very good and i really can't wait to hear the rest of it so we're going to close out the show today with really the last of, of my favorite songs by the orchids again the list could have been very very long but i had to limit it uh we're going to go ahead and hear what will we do next and i have one more term for you guys before we close out here slouch <laughs> of <Thank>
3: yourself
0: <laughs>
5: all the
3: best
0: thank you brian
3: thank thanks you brian thank you very thank much brian. See you you. Later. take bye care bye,
5: brian. all the luck thanks, brian.
0: this episode of the Vinyl Detroit Podcast. I wanted to, again, thank Amelia and Rob at Skep Wax Records for making this interview happen. Without them, uh, there would have been no chance, I don't think, of me speaking to the Orchids. So, uh, again, thank you. And, and and really, again, thanks to the Orchids for spending uh, over an hour speaking to me about their history, uh, the new album, uh, and really what it takes to to make music for almost, really over four decades. So, Again, thank you to the orchids, and um, we're going to go ahead and hear a new track from the album, one of my favorites right now, and this is called "Limitless Number One Joy." And again, thank you for joining me on this episode of the Violent Straight yeah. Podcast.